Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 84. If you were to ask me what is the coolest new tech innovation Royal Caribbean has rolled out recently, well, I think it has to be the WoW Bands. WoW Bands are Royal Caribbean's forward-thinking way of making our life as guests simpler on board, and this week, I want to take a deep dive into what WoW Bands are, how they work, and what we can expect from them in the future. Here we go. There was a lot of news and information that came out of Quantum of the Season when Royal Caribbean rolled that ship out late last year, in fact. And there was so much on this ship from the Bionic Bar, high-speed internet, the C-Plex, the giant magenta bear on top of the ship, North Star. I mean, there was just so much that was on this ship. And I think kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit, if you can believe it, are something that's brand new to Royal Caribbean called WoW Bands. And this is something that was, again, introduced on Quantum of the Seas, but it is coming to all Royal Caribbean ships eventually. It's going to be really starting with, with some of the newer ships that are coming off the line, but I definitely believe this is going to be rolled back across the fleet sooner or later. So I figured, you know what? Let's talk about them now. Let's get that information out there, and let's explore everything. So that way, when it is on your next Royal Caribbean cruise, you are prepared for them. Okay, what are WoW Bands? These are essentially bracelets. They're made out of silicone, if I'm not mistaken. That come in a variety of colors and allows passengers to interact with different parts of the ship. Primarily, it's like a replacement for your sea pass card. So think of it that way, and this is what a lot of what it does. So as it's a very basic concept. It's going to allow you into your stateroom, as an example. Actually, when you go on your ship, your WoW band will be waiting for you in your stateroom. So when you're checking at the pier, they'll still give you your sea pass card, and you go to your stateroom when it's ready. You swipe your sea pass card on the door, you get in, and waiting for you, usually on the bed is this little plastic container with all your WoW bands on there. Now, your WoW bands you can use in addition to your C-Pass cards. You can use them instead of your C-Pass cards, or you can use them both at the same time. It really doesn't matter. It's up to you. Royal Caribbean is giving you as an option. So you put them on your wrist, and they're like having a C-Pass card on your wrist. So you can obviously get in and out of your stateroom. You can make purchases on there. And if you have reservations to a show somewhere, basically anything that you would need your C-Pass card for, you can have the crew members scan that instead and that way you don't have to fumble through your pockets for it if you even have pockets i mean a lot of times you're at the pool maybe your swimsuit has pocket maybe it doesn't regardless this is something that is waterproof that you can just carry with you on your wrist and you don't have to think about it. and that's the great thing and a lot of people might say you know is it really that helpful like i mean i can't really see this being a bit much of a difference it's really one of those things you have to try for yourself and pretty soon and i think a lot of people that have tried this will tell you the exact same thing Within a day or so, you can't imagine using the C-Pass card anymore because the WoW band is just so much more convenient. I mean, you're on board the ship, you know, you just put it on your wrist, and it's it's kind of a set-and-forget-it kind of thing. And, again, it's you can still use your C-Pass card. So if you're a big fan of the card, you prefer to have the C-Pass card, hey, that works out too. Now, in terms of colors, there are a lot of colors. Rokerman is actually promising more colors in the future. But at this point, the colors of your WoW band are tied to your muster station. So as an example, when I was on Quantum of the Seas in November, I was given by default a yellow WoW band. And I was like, well, of all the colors, there's about four choices. There's blue, white, black, and yellow, at least that I've seen. And I kind of figured, I didn't love the yellow. And I wanted to get like a blue one as an example. So I, that's what press photos always showed. And I want to get a blue one. I want to get the cool one. So I went to guest relations. And actually, it's it's tied to your muster station. So all I had was a choice of was between yellow and black in my case. I did switch to black because, hey, well, why not, right? And I got the black one. But you have that choice to some extent. But you can't just pick arbitrarily the color, at least at this point. That may be changing in the future. But they have on your band actually what muster station. Or just like your, the back of your C-Pass card or the front of your C-Pass card has the muster station as well. That way... 
If there's never an emergency, you need to get to your muster station. You have it right there. You don't have to worry about having a C-Pass card. Again, what the Wow Band can be used for is really all over the ship. You can use them at the ship's restaurants, bars, the casino, in the arcade, as well as uh, for your kids at the Adventure Ocean Youth and Teen Programs. It's an easy way to get in and out of it and be able to identify children. And, of course, they can be read at pretty much any point of sales area on the ship. So you can, if you need to buy something, they can handle it. In fact, checking in for your restaurants. A lot of times when I was on Quantum of the Seas, we'd go there and, you know, you're showing up for dinner for dynamic dining. Rather than ask me, hey, what's your name, sir? They actually just scan my wow band and bam, they had all my information they needed right there. So, again, it helps just pull the stuff all up a little quicker. And a lot of their on Quantum of the Seas, at least, they have all these tablets there, these mobile computing tablets that they can actually read directly from there right to the wow band. So there's not even a need to scan, you know, the CPAS or types anyone's name in. It's all that really simple. So how do these wow bands work? They use a technology called radio frequency identification, more commonly known as RFID. I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this podcast probably have jobs where you have RFID cards. Usually they're those beige cards that you swipe in front of a door and then all of a sudden it's unlocked if you have access to it. Same technology here. And they're located the readers for these are located all over the ship. In fact, there's there's also those mobile scanners I mentioned earlier that the crew can operate. And from a really geeky standpoint, I, I was so proud of finding this information. I wanted to share it, but the wristbands are made with a 13.56 megahertz NXP semiconductor MyFair Ultralight C RFID chip complying with the ISO 1443 standard, which is a more secure option than the usual ISO 15693 standards. So for those of you keeping track at home, it's a nifty piece of technology. And it, you know what? It's it's pretty darn cool. And you know the coolest thing about these wild bands, I think, from a just from a guest standpoint, forget the technology behind it. Here's the most common problem with the CPAS cards and really just hotel cards in general. These cards get demagnetized all the time. I, I can't tell you how many times it's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you many times. You know, it's too close to your cell phone, it's too close to your wallet, whatever the case may be. These cards get demagnetized. With wild bands, you never have that problem anymore. And and for that reason alone, that I never have to visit guest relations to get them to you know, fix my card, that that is worth it right there. So that's a huge uh, factor in terms of why I really feel that these wow bands are really, really cool. Now, all wow bands are actually complimentary to all guests. Originally, you may have read maybe they had a little small dollar amount, like $2 per band that was going to be charged. That's not the case anymore. That was the plan initially on, but actually what Roker being changed his mind said, you know what? We want people to use this. So we're going to make it free and just give it away because look, $2 is nothing really. And the other thing is, of course, this is this is a revenue generating thing for Royal Caribbean. They know that. I mean, just like the CPAS card was a, a great way of generating revenue. With this, if you've got, and the easier it is for you to buy something, the more likely you are to buy it. It's not like, a, oh gosh, I forgot my card in the room, or you know, I gotta go dig it out of my pocket. No, it's on your wristband. Here you go, boom, done. That's it. It's really that simple. And I think for Royal Caribbean, they're seeing it as it improves the guest experience, and it also helps them make you know a lot more money because really onboard revenue is at the heart of what is driving Royal Caribbean's uh, revenues these days. It really makes a big difference. So for them, it's win-win. Now, what ships offer WoWbands? As I mentioned, at the time of this podcast, the Quantum of the Seas is the only ship that offers it. However, Anthem of the Seas and Ovation of the Seas, both ships are in the, of course, Quantum class. They'll be offering it as well. And even the new Harmony of the Seas, which is the new Oasis class ship, that'll be the third Oasis class ship, that'll offer it as well. The WoWbands really present a huge advantage for for guests and it, it, it's one of those things again you say well you know how but do i really care or am i really going to use it i really feel like once you try it you'll just be like i don't want to bring the c card with you i remember when i was on quantum i kept my c card on me for i think the first day 
And then the next morning I woke up and I said, I, you know, you're getting your, all your stuff together. And I'm like, I don't need this thing. I'm, I put my CPAS card in the safe with my passport and I never saw it again. So it's it's kind of – I know we all love the CPAS cards. Trust me. It's, it's kind of like an integral part of a Royal Caribbean cruise experience. You know, it's like, ah, your new CPAS card. Yes, it's my gateway for the week. But these wild bands are pretty darn cool. In fact, what you'll actually find is you'll get back offshore and you'll still have it on your wrist for a day or two because you're just so used to it. It's like, no, I don't want to take it off. It's The cruise isn't over, darn it. <laughs> I think the other thing that's really important to talk about wild bands is how easy they are to use. I mean, there's really no setup. There's not like you have to do anything in advance to get them ready for you. They're going to be waiting for you in your stateroom, as I mentioned earlier. So you don't have to worry about configuring them or requesting them or anything like that. They will literally be there for you. And you can interact not only with... Again, all the devices that I mentioned earlier, there's actually kiosks near guest services that you can go to, and you scan your wow band right into there, and boom, your whole reservation pops up, and you can alter anything you need to do. I mean, it's really... Rokerman built this to be simple. I mean, really, really simple. So much so that, I mean, this is for kids as well. So that, if, you know, if a child can use it, that old saying, it's it's just that easy to go with. So I'd like to hear your feedback, though, about Wild Bands. If you've been on Quantum of the Seas, and or maybe you're listening to this podcast a little bit later, and you've been on Anthem of the Seas or or Harmony of the Seas, welcome back. <laughs> Hello from the past. Let us know what you, what you thought about the Wild Bands, because I loved it, and when I'm going, I'm getting back on Quantum in just a couple weeks. Ooh, can't wait. I really am so looking forward forward to getting back with using this wow bands because i can tell you that cpass card it's going right back and that's safe but email your thoughts on wow bands are you excited to try it if you haven't yet is this something that you think you're really going to adopt or are you going to stick with the old cpass cards whatever it is let me know what your thoughts are email me matt m-a-t-t at royal caribbean blog.com let's dive into the old email inbox and of course before we do that i actually want to thank everyone for some for, thank you for checking out the podcast. Really, it means a lot to me that you're taking time out of your week to listen to the podcast. And a big thank you to the people who are leaving these amazing reviews on iTunes. Really, wow, I am flattered. And this is one of the best ways you can help out the podcast is by leaving a review on iTunes. It helps others discover the podcast. And then we're all just one big happy family. I always read all the reviews that we get. So we're going to start with a couple this week. One is from I Am Bison, who writes Platinum Crown and Anchor member. And I love learning new things all the time with Matt and the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Nothing is super biased. And I've gained a great network of other Royal Caribbean loving folks. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Mr. I Am Bison or Miss I Am Bison. We also have a review from Consistent User. What a great username. The Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast is one of the those podcasts that interrupts all of your other podcasts. As an avid podcast listener, this is the one podcast that I jump to even when I'm in the middle of another. Matt does an excellent job covering topics of relevance to Royal Caribbean cruisers as well as cruise fans in general. In conjunction with his site, Matt fosters a community of avid cruisers who share a love for Royal Caribbean. In addition, the podcast offers an exceptional mix of Matt's opinion and research, listener reviews, interviews, and the like. Thank you, consistent user. Very well written. And we also have one more from Brettempt. Brettempt? Brettempt? From Brett. Whereas every Wednesday, my commute home from work flies by as I enjoy my weekly audio vacation. It's the podcast I never miss. So, all of you, thank you so much for that. It really means a big – it means a lot to me that, that so many of you are taking time out of your day. It only takes a couple minutes to leave those reviews, but it, it does so much for the podcast, more, much more so than I can ever do, spamming the internet with links to it. This is way better, and it's all it, – it's way better than spam anyway, so I really appreciate it. Thank you guys all so much, and again, if you leave a review on iTunes, I will be reading it right here on the podcast. Oh, love it. All right, and speaking of reading, let's read some of your emails that you've sent me. First, we're going to start with an email from Bridget Swart. Hey there, Matt. Platitudes abound. I'm a huge fan. Now on to my cruise. 
My family and I have booked a nine-night New England Canada cruise on Royal Caribbean's Liberty of the Seas, leaving out of New Jersey on August 27th this year. I'm relatively new to cruising. I've only taken two carnival cruises and obviously new to Royal Caribbean. I'm a big planner, and I've been scouring the internet for information on Liberty of the Seas and Royal Caribbean. I would love to get more information about the timeline for using Royal Caribbean's cruise planner. When will dining reservations be available to book? How long before our cruise should I be booking these? How about entertainment? I see there are excursions available. Will any of these change? Will there be additional experiences added closer to our sailing date? I also have a question about Wi-Fi and Liberty of the Seas. We have a group that will be in three different staterooms, so we now want to be able to use our iPhones in airplane mode on Wi-Fi for texting throughout the ship. Is that possible and an idea of cost? I'd love to get as much information about our cruise before getting on the boat. Thanks for everything. Wow, Bridget, great questions all about. And I got to tell you, these are a lot of questions I think a lot of people have and some good stuff. So I'm actually going to, I'm going to answer them. But I'm also going to refer you to a link in our show notes at royalcaribbeanblog.com that we recently did. We have the timeline planning of a Royal Caribbean cruise. And what this is essentially is a guideline for optimally planning your Royal Caribbean cruise. Now, you've got, we're, we're talking here in March, your cruise is coming up in August, but this will give you an idea of when things come online, what's available. And I think this will be helpful for you to understand kind of the time frames and windows you're looking for. A lot of this, I think a lot of your questions are about when can I do this? When shouldn't I do this? And when do I lose the ability to do this? So I'm going to post a link in the show notes to it. It's called the uh, Total Royal Caribbean Cruise Planning Timeline. But let's go through all your questions here really quickly and we'll kind of dive through all of them. All right. When will dining reservations be available to book? Of course, you're on Liberty of the Sea, so you only have specialty dining to be able to uh, reserve in advance. And typically on seven-night cruises or longer, you'll be able to book dining 74 to 65 days before your cruise. On shorter cruises, like five nights or less, you'll have the ability to book dining usually around 59 to 50 days. And I use the word usually with a lot of emphasis because with Royal Caribbean, there's not a huge amount of consistency within that. You'll find someone who will get their dining reservations immediately on day 74 and others take a lot closer to your sale date. It kind of varies, but we're usually in that kind of a ballpark range. So kind of keep that in mind. Uh, how long before our cruise should I be booking those? Well, you should book it as far in advance as you feel comfortable booking and you want to put the money down. That's the thing. You're gonna When you book them in advance online, you'll be required to pay the full amount of the restaurant fare right then and there, which is actually good, I think, because it helps split up the cost of your cruise as opposed to you going on the ship, booking on the ship, and then you're coming home with a huge bill. You may still have a huge bill, but it won't be as huge, <laughs> at least when you get to book it on, in advance. And of course, the further out you book it, the more options you have in terms of times. So if you have a specific time and a specific day that you're looking to have a, a dinner somewhere or even a lunch, depending on which restaurant it is, this is the best way to do it. And that way you're assured of a spot. And more importantly, you get the time that you want. As an example, when we were last year, we were on Navigator to the Seas and we wanted to have a special dinner on Valentine's Day. We were cruising over Valentine's Day. And my wife said, well, you know, let's do chops on Valentine's Day. So we made sure we booked it well in advance online. So that way we could be assured of a spot. Because we knew that other people were going to have the same thought. And obviously booking it online helps you get that kind of stuff uh, certainly earlier. Now, in terms of entertainment, it's the same basic window. Again, 74 to 65 days for entertainment on seven night or longer cruises and 59 to 50 days for five night or shorter cruises. And again, it varies. Like on my Quantum of the Sea cruise that's coming up in just a week or so, the entertainment was really late. It came in like right at about 60 days, I think. Maybe 59, 58, 57, something like that. So it was like, at first, it's like, oh man, when's it going to come? But you know what? It was right in that window. So patience if it isn't showing up there. Not a lot, especially on Liberty this is you're not going to find a huge amount to book in advance online, but you know, obviously every little bit helps. And if you can plan one thing, hey, that's all that's important. And also gives you an idea of what how to plan your rest of your day, right? So now in terms of excursions, 
same basic concept in terms of the you know what where you're going to be doing for booking them they'll be out in advance actually the excursions come out really well in advance and they do add and remove stuff from time to time i remember on our navigator this season there was an excursion that was out there since like day one for something in belize and then they actually ended up removing it things happen i mean royal caribbean is working with third parties sometimes the contracts fall through sometimes the excursion changes sometimes the company goes out of business there's a variety of things that can happen so if you can book it just like dining Obviously, if you reserve it in advance, you're going to have be assured of a spot on that particular excursion that you're interested in doing. Otherwise, you wait till closer. Sometimes things get added, but for a lot of these ports, the Royal Caribbean's been here many, 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 many times. So the excursion offerings are usually pretty consistent. They're not like going every single sale and being, hmm, what can we do for this one? They just have kind of a they have a catalog. They go through it. They add it in there, and it's pretty much standard. So I wouldn't expect too much to be added, and also not too much to be taken away. I think it's the norm that it's pretty consistent from when you start booking your cruise and, and planning to right before the cruise is about to sail away. You know, the excursion information isn't all that different there. So again, just like the dining, if you book it in advance, you pay for it in advance, but that helps kind of offset costs. And and for me, look, the smaller the bill I can have on board the ship that I'm coming home to, the better. So that that, that kind of helps. So I would I would be looking at it that way. And lastly, you were asking about being able to text with your iPhones. And you know, I think we've talked about texting and communicating with iPhones in the past three or four episodes, which I love. I'm, look, I'm a tech geek. I love this kind of stuff. But I think, that, yes, you can work. You can use the Wi-Fi mode. The Actually, I think, and I mentioned this on other shows, I think what would actually be cheaper for you to do is not put it in airplane mode. Just turn your data roaming off. Actually, turn your data off in general, your cellular data, not your Wi-Fi data, your cellular data, which is in your iPhone. It's in your settings. You'll see the option there. So that way your phone can only function via like a phone call or text messaging. And there is a difference between text messaging and iMessage. And I've talked about this before, but text messaging is cheaper. It only costs you, you know, you'll, you'll pay like a couple cents per message as opposed to data, which you can really pay a lot for. So I recommend actually doing that using the MMS messaging, and you'll know that you're using MMS messaging on your iPhone by the fact that your message is green instead of that blue. Blue stands for the iMessage, which uses data. So again, I think it's actually going to be cheaper because text messaging is very inexpensive and it's controlled cost, whereas data can quickly grow because data has to constantly be going out there to check for new messages, whereas text messaging is more of a, oh, look, you have a new message, kind of a, a push situation like that. So hopefully, bridge between <laughs> between this show and maybe the last couple episodes, you kind of have a good idea of communicating on there's there is no perfect solution unless you all get the data plan like the limited data plan which would cost you about depending on the ship on i'm not sure what it is on liberty but on like oasis or some of the other ships i've been on it, recently the cost for an unlimited plan is usually in the ballpark of like a hundred and thirty dollars per person for the seven night cruise and again that that price can vary so don't don't plan on it exactly but it's in that ballpark and if you all get that, if you get them limited, hey, that's fine. Go back to using your iMessage. That'll be perfect for you. So hopefully that works out for you. And thank you for the email, Bridget. I really appreciate hearing from some new people. And I would love to hear also when you get back, Bridget, tell us about that New England Canada cruise because I'm dying to do one of those. I would love to go check out Canada that time of year and just have a, a great way of seeing, you know, there's a lot of places in Canada I've been to, and I think that would be a great way to explore. So good stuff. Thank you, Bridget. Next, we have an email from Christopher Percy, who writes into us about episode 81, our interview with Anthem of the Seas designer Tim McGill. And Christopher writes, a very interesting podcast. It must be fascinating experience for designers like Tim, and especially since Royal Caribbean likes to be so cutting edge and innovative. Every new class of ship is pushing the envelope, and the quantum class ships, no matter how many finally end up in this category, are raising the bar for the whole cruise industry. 
Very good stuff. I agree. You know, it's talking to Tim, man. It's I would love to be a fly on that wall when they're playing stuff. I mean, I can't imagine. I love that, like you know, inner nuances of like what got dropped, what didn't work. You know, what what why things got decided one way or another. Oh, I, I love that kind of detail. So, yeah, he's living the life right there, Christopher. Thank you for the email. Uh, next, we have a great email actually from Garrison who writes, I thought I would write to you in order to answer the questions raised by Michael and yourself regarding cabanas in a recent episode on your wonderful podcast, as well as give you some photos of a view we had last week in Labadee. So how to book any cruiser, regardless of cabana category, can book a cabana in Labadee. But currently, those of us in categories less than a grand seat will have to do it on the ship with the excursions desk. And I recommend getting to the embarkation port early, like 10 a.m., to get on the ship first and then booking things right away as there are only 12 cabanas to choose from. I had a D1 stateroom last week and got to the port at 10.15 a.m., then booked it in the excursions desk. I was the second person to book any excursion on the ship. I've been to Labadee four times, and every time I've gone, I've gotten a cabana. I can't imagine doing Labadee any other way now. Here are the pros and cons. Pros. What you are guaranteed to get. The cabana for up to six people. Two towels. Don't need to check them out from the ship. Two floaties. An ice chest filled with large Evian waters they normally sell. We had eight last week. Power outlets to charge your phones around your electronics. A working overhead fan to cool you down if it's hot, although you could just dive in the water if you have one of those over-the-water cabanas. And a nice relaxing day with a cabana attendant to keep the drinks flowing. Last Wednesday was very windy, a fact that I didn't notice until we got back to the ship. For example, we found out later at dinner that the zip line was limited to people who weighed more than 165 pounds due to the wind. None of the people in our cabana knows the thing regarding the wind. It's rather isolated. What you get sometimes, depending on how busy or how many ships there are, more floaties, more towels, and an upgrading lunch at the private Barefoot Beach. Lunch is not officially offered, but out of the four times I've been there, only once was it not offered when I asked. I'm told they'll invite cabanas when it's not too busy. The one con to the cabanas, it's not cheap. A tip for someone planning something special, cabana number five over the water at Nelly's Beach has almost 100% total privacy as it faces the water and has no cabanas across the room that can see in. If someone's looking for a, for a place to propose to someone or perhaps just want to have a little more privacy, you can beg for this cabana. I've asked but never gotten it. It's always been a sign every time I got to the check-in area at the Barefoot Beach entrance. I hope Michael can get to the cabana he wants to, and you too in the future. The cabanas are the reason my wife demands that Labadee is always included on our itineraries. It's amazing to enjoy relaxing on a floaty with a Labadoozy in hand. <laughs> well, that is great, Garrison. Thank you so much for the email, and I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, I got to tell you, Labadee, cabana, Labadoozy in your hand, does it really get much better than that? I don't think so. Oh, man. But... Great email. I love that kind of information. I love sharing that. And this is why I made this podcast, so that we can have a, a forum for everyone to share some good information. Because I admit, I don't know everything. And clearly, Garrison gave us some great information about those cabanas at Labity. So thank you very much, Garrison. Next, we have an email from Alla Summerlin. Writes, I'm new to the world of cruising, only took a short Disney cruise so far. But I'm booked for seven nights on the Alaska cruise on Radiance of the Seas in May. I've been really enjoying your podcast and picked up lots of useful tips. I'm very confused about main dining room menu rotation. How can I figure out which will be which menu? There are some menus that I don't care for, and I'd like to book the specialty restaurants for those nights. And I don't want to miss the second formal night and lobster dinner. Any suggestions for a healthy food option on a ship breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Thanks a lot. Okay, well, there's some good information, actually good questions, and we got some good information for you. So let's start with the menu. So... At the very least, you can always see the main dining room menu posted actually outside the restaurant on the day that you're 
going to be dining there. So let's say it's day three. You want to know what the dinner is going to be. You go to the main dining room. You'll see the dinner. There's the menu posted right there on the wall, and you can see what's going to be waiting for you. The I know you're probably asking, well, I want to be able to do this in advance, like now. <laughs> um, I'm at home. I want to book my dining reservations for nights that I know that I'm not going to like the, the menu there. So you can plan accordingly. Um, the problem with it is that there, as you can tell, sometimes the rotation is a little different. Well, I've posted, I'll actually post a link in our show notes at royalcaribbeanblog.com to some meetings that we have from a couple different ships, but the rotation may differ. And I'm not sure I can give you a really good answer on which one you're going to have or how to plan for it. You can plan for the formal nights. Now, formal nights, the lobster night is also what's usually the second formal night. And you can usually get a good idea of when that is again usually the the formal nights are usually based on again how many the length of your cruise and i know actually we have links to some ratings of the seas cruise compasses on royalcribbonblog.com and i'll link to that as well for you and you can go take a look at that but it's usually the second formal night is going to be the lobster night quote unquote it's not really called that anymore it's called something the fisherman's platter or something like that but anyway that's a lobster night for you and for suggestions for a healthy family food options on a ship Hmm, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. All right, this is a good question. So if you want something custom-made in general at any of the restaurants, you just have to ask. But you have to ask in advance because there's only so much they can do on the spot for you. But as an example, I've talked about this before in, in the main dining room. I love Indian food. And it used to be in the old Royal Caribbean dinner menus, It was the, there was always an Indian dish on the menu, and it was always like the healthy option. It was the vegetarian option, which, by the way, vegetarians will tell you that the vegetarian is not necessarily healthy, but, you know less meat, whatever. Um, but I loved it. I loved the Indian food. And I was, and when the new menus came out, there wasn't Indian on the menu all the time. That doesn't stop me. I go to the, the head waiter and I said to the head waiter, you know, on day one of my career, I said, Hey, you know, I'd like to, I think the first time I lied and said I, I was a vegetarian and wanted to have Indian food every night. And the second time I said, I, I just really love Indian food. Can I get a Indian dish every night? And in both cases, no problem. They were able to help me for that. And that holds up not only just for dinner, but also other places. If you're going to be eating in the in the Windjamer for a particular meal and you know it, ask, you know, the next day, be like, hey, you know, we're going to be here. Can we get something different? What my, my father, when we were on these cruises, we actually learned this on, I think it was Explorer of the Seas. And we've been doing it ever since. Every time I cruise with my dad, he does this all the time. He loves this. We, we learned this from actually a Turkish waiter that was, I think... I think he was in the main dining room for breakfast. And for breakfast, we wanted like a nice little array of vegetables. We He kind of surprised us. I think, I don't know why my dad asked for it. The bottom line is we ended up with a plate of diced tomatoes, cucumber, onion, and kind of in a, in a olive oil. And it was just, it was nice. And, we, you know, he took a little bread and it was, it was a nice light option. And we've since, you know, we just started asking for it on other cruises and they would have it for you. As long as you ask in advance, you can totally do it. But it kind of depends also on the ship you're going on, what options you have. You'll be on Radiance of the Seas. So, you know, kind of look around at the menus of the specialty restaurants, see maybe what's available to you. One of the, it's not on Radiance, but if you ever get a chance to go on, say, Quantum of the Seas, they have the Devonly Decadence, which is that new restaurant. That's actually, it's free. It used to cost money. Now it's complimentary. And that is all about locale foods that's in there. And it's, it's really cool. But you might, again, don't feel free to ask. Just say, you know what? I would like something like this. Can we get that, you know, for breakfast tomorrow in the Windjammer? Or we're going to be eating lunch in Giovanni's table on Thursday. Can we can we get something a little, you know, lighter fare that might be, you know, something. Tell them what you're what you like. They will work with you. I guarantee you. And the head waiter is always the person to talk to. Even if it's not necessarily your head waiter, just talk to a head waiter. They can direct you. And that'll be the best way to go. 
And our last email this week comes from James Dickinson, who writes, let's say someone was taking a seven-day cruise. Would they be able to buy the premium drink package for any select days of the seven days cruise at the purchaser's discretion? For example, buying the package for Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, or are they committed to purchasing the package for each day of their cruise? Thanks for your time and attention. So the answer is you cannot pick and choose the days. You just buy the package and you get it for the duration of your cruise. However, and I'll say this based on experience, that you do not have to purchase the package at the beginning of your cruise, but you can purchase it later on and get a prorated rate. So as an example, on a seven-night cruise, you could skip, let's say, day one and two for whatever reason and pick it up on day three, and then you would purchase the package for the rest of your cruise. You pay for the every, every day from that point on, but... You would only pay for the days that you have remaining. You wouldn't pay for those first two days that you never use the package for. The caveat to this is you have to have at least four days left in your cruise. You can't do this on the last day. You can't do it two days out. You got to have at least four days in there. But if you're looking to maybe save some money or maybe let's say day two, you're at a port, you know you're not going to get your money's worth out of. So you really want to start on day three. There you go. There's your option. As long as you got four days left, you can purchase the package at any point and get that prorated amount. So thank you for the email, James, and thank you to everyone for the great emails. And of course, you know what? I get messages all throughout the week from Twitter, Facebook, and and everywhere in between. And I really appreciate all of you taking the time to check things out. I love the comments on the blog, man. You guys have some great feedback on there. So everyone checking out the site, checking out the blog. Thank you so much. You guys are an integral part of it. And I really consider you all my friends for being a part of this whole podcast experience. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.